0: Welcome to Popcorn and Soda, starring Talal, a motion picture, podcast,
1: movies, pop culture, interviews, and reviews. Popcorn and Soda is brought to you by ByTalal.com. Visit
0: at ByTalal and at Popcorn and Soda Podcast on Instagram. Download and stream on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all your podcast
1: listening platforms.
0: Please. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful day today. My name is Talal, and you are listening to the Popcorn and Soda Podcast, the show where we discuss all things movies, pop culture, and so much more. I want to thank each and every one of you for making me a small part of your day. On today's show, we are joined by a very special guest. She is the director of the acclaimed movie Rust Creek, which landed in the number three spot upon its Netflix release and remained in Netflix's top 10 list for more than a week after its release on the streaming platform. She has directed episodes on projects such as The Twilight Zone, The Purge, as well as directing the movie Kelly and Cal. Our guest today, the very talented Jen McGowan. How are you, Jen?
0: I'm very well. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for coming to hang out on the show today. How have you been over the last eight to ten months? We're living in such a crazy world right now. What are you doing to keep busy?
0: It's pretty bananas. Well, quite honestly, I've been uh, working really hard, not making any money, of course, but <sighs> prepping a lot of things and you know, taking a lot of meetings, so lots of building relationships and setting up new projects. So uh, basically investing into 2021.
1: Yeah, that's what I guess most of us are trying to do this year, Uh, just hoping for the best for next year. And hopefully as much as us get vaccinated, we can try to get back to somewhat of a normal if that even exists anymore.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, we don't have a choice either way. This is where we're heading. So we got to figure it out.
1: You got it. So hey, before we dive into Rust Creek, I really want the audience to get to know Jen McGowan. Okay. Where does this all start? What were some of your early influences? And for someone who has such a unique directing style, what made you want to be a filmmaker and what adds to that style? Well, you know, it's
0: I came to it really late. I didn't uh, I wasn't really aware of, you know, cinema as I was growing up. I, I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C., Um, you know, my mom's a nurse, my dad worked for the government, I don't have anyone in my family that's in the industry, or Mm. um, I don't even think any, any creative industries. Um, But I, you know, I got interested in theater when I was in high school. And I do remember at the time, you know, Sundance was kind of the heyday of Sundance. I was, I was in high school from, 1990 to 1994 so i do remember watching a ton of Sundance movies right um and then of course like you know going to like rocky horror picture show and of midnight course. and all that it was awesome um but it wasn't it wasn't on my radar as anything that had anything to do with me or that i could have anything to do with i was just you know going about my life being a teenager and a consumer of content um and then You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for college, but, you know, I knew I had to go one way or another. So, and my grades weren't that great. So I, you know, I had, I had been interested in theater and I enjoyed that. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to audition, you know, for theater and see if I can end up somewhere cool. Um, And I very fortunately did. So there I studied theater at the Atlantic Theater Company, um, which was David Mamet's theater company. And at the time it, it was very early on in their, you know, in their history. So the ten students and I in my class, we got to study on the main stage with all the all the professional actors. So that was great. Um, yeah, and then when I got out, I I you know I needed a job, and I got a job as a receptionist at a commercial production company, and that was where I really saw uh, any sort of media being made, um, and it was super interesting to me. Um, and at the time, you know, I as I was trying to build a little career as an actor and I didn't like the roles I was getting, they were boring and just supremely not interesting to me. Um, so I, I did what a lot of uh, performers do is I decided to make my own material. <laughs> um, it really, it was out of boredom. Uh, it was out of, I, I need to do something that I can get excited about. I'm, I'm not one to sit still. I will, however much time I have, it will always be filled. Um, and so I did a short film and that, that was the next kind of big step in my trajectory, um, because I loved it. I loved everything about it. And from that moment forward, I knew I was going to be a director. I just needed to figure out how to do it. Uh, and that, you know, the rest was kind of history so far in the making still.
1: Yeah. One thing that I realize, and over my time of getting to connect with different creators is a lot of you guys have this very DIY nature about you where it's like you mentioned, yeah. it's, it's hard to just sit still and it's hard to just accept things for what they may be. You guys go out there and you make it happen one way or another, whether it's borrowing cameras my friend or crashing at a friend's place for a location shoot. Uh, It's really admirable. And I I really think a lot of that DIY nature really translates into your directing style, which I'll definitely dive into a bit later. Would you say there's one specific piece of literature or movie or anything in the medium that really just opened your eyes to this whole new world of film? You know... By the
0: way, that perception about DIY is really interesting. I've not heard that before, and I think you're absolutely right about that. It's like this this uh, impulse. I don't want to be like all pretentious and be like an impulse to create, (laughs) but it's like an impulse to not be bored. You know, agreed. like boredom (laughs) is death. Um, So it's really just about filling one's time with something that's interesting. Uh, You know, filling one filling one's life with something that's interesting. Really, Um, but I think about movies. You know, the first movies where I. I think I understood them as cinema that really struck me as something that I loved um, was uh, three colors, blue and the ice storm. Okay, yeah. Those those really um really
1: stuck with me. And they still do. They're still, you know, in in the list of movies that I love. And transitioning over now to a movie like Rust Creek, for the listeners listening in today, the synopsis is as follows. <laughs> Rust Creek follows an ordinary woman named Sawyer who, on her way to a job interview, takes a wrong turn that leaves her stranded deep in the frozen Kentucky woods while pursued by ruthless outlaws. Now, if that doesn't get the the hair on the back of her neck to stand up, I don't know what will. (laughs) I had a chance to watch this movie, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Yay! I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, it's, it's a great movie. And the way I would describe it is, the love child of if the Blair Witch Project met Breaking Bad, it would be called Rust Creek. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> I will take that. That's cool. I'll take it.
1: It's it's got the best of both worlds, but stands on its own two feet.
0: Oh, okay, great. That's uh, that's great. I love it.
1: <laughs> so hey, let's deep dive into this movie. What attracted you to this project, and what was your original thought about reading the script?
0: Well, it's it's I think the thing that attracts all filmmakers to projects is the script. Um, the script was written by a a woman named Julie Lipson. And uh, at the time, you know, I met with the producer and I saw, you know, it's the thing that I see in all scripts that I try to get made. One, it's a good movie. I can see a good movie Mm -hmm. in it. Two, I can see something that I can bring to it. Um, And then three, for me on the greedy side, Something that I'm gonna be interested in doing um that that's super important to me. There has to be a concept, and there has to be a a task that keeps me interested for three years
1: when you're reading the script and you're getting exposure towards the producers and what the original vision is, what did you think right off the bat that you could bring to this movie?
0: well i I knew I could bring um, authenticity in terms of the relationships. In terms of the performances, I understood um, the lead character in a way that I thought would be slightly unique. Um, and I, I think that's proved true. it's it's subtle, you know, um, but I think I think I can be felt in this film. And um, I was excited to do that. I was really excited by the challenge of some of the action elements in there as well because I hadn't gotten to do that before. And those are you know, those are fun movies. those are the movies I want to be making. Yeah, so this was also a cool career opportunity as well.
1: Definitely. And as I mentioned earlier, you have this unique style about your directing and what you just you just summed it right up. The two things what I find really stood out to me besides the story itself is one, the performances of the cast and two, the atmosphere that was created in these creepy woods, which is pretty much a central character <laughs> of the movie itself.
0: It really is. And, you know, I talked about that at length with the producer, uh, the DP, everyone, that the woods are their own character. And uh, just like every other character in the movie, it has its own arc and development.
1: Definitely. And let's let's even deep dive in even further into this. The cast did such an amazing job inhabiting these versatile characters. And a lot of that we, we have to owe to you. And the way you direct is, you love to focus from what I've seen is on strong characters and representation and especially not having the typical damsel in distress or just characters that are just hollow there's dense and they're 3d like they really have a lot of character arc and story to them and why did you feel that in this movie and this project specifically that was the way to really go
0: well two two things one is i think that's my perspective on the world so i am inclined to do that in all of the work that i do Um, But secondly, I thought it was especially important in this genre and in this uh, location, because there are lots of stereotypes and tropes that are really easy to fall back on. And that wasn't a movie I was interested in making.
1: Yeah, for for sure. And just uh, as I mentioned earlier about the cast, uh, we have a great cast here with Hermione Corfield, Jay Paulson, Sean O'Brien, Michael Hoffman, Daniel Hill. It's filled with just... Amazing, amazing actors and actresses.
0: I'm very lucky to have gotten to work with them. They they all are wonderful and and what's you know, they're all different and interesting in their own ways, which I love. And yeah, you know, it was a dream. Once you cast them, there's not much you have to do.
1: Definitely. And they all brought so much different flavor to this movie. They all had their own little thing they brought in, and it just adds to the central story one thing that really stood out to me was Hermione's performance as Sawyer and again it's such a rich and dense character it's not that damsel in distress that yeah. just gets lost in the woods there's a lot of without getting into spoilers there's a lot of situations in this movie where she really rises to the challenge and shows her inner strength
0: yeah I mean I wanted to see her using her brain I I just I when I watch movies I I want I don't need to relate to the decision, but I need to relate to the character's choice to make the decision.
1: Hermione's screen presence, it just, it's just glares right out of the screen. She is such a talented actress. What was it like working with such an actress and especially for a role that's equally emotional as physical with some of the things that happen in this movie?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, that was key to casting and that was something that we were definitely looking for. And um, I mean, I don't know if you looked at her resume, but she's been in lots of really massive movies. You know, Triple this was, X,
1: yeah. This Impossible. You yeah, know,
0: Star Wars. I mean, this was her first indie film. And I was like, oh God, I, she's not gonna have any idea what she's getting into with this. <laughs> and, I, you know, And I when I was getting close, I narrowed it down to her and two other women and I sat her down. I was like, look, are you sure you know what you're getting into? Because we're gonna be in the middle of the nowhere. It's gonna be cold. It's gonna be dirty you're not going to have privacy. This is, this is indie filmmaking. And she said, yes. And you know, to her credit, I don't think she actually was ready, (laughs) but once she said yes, she committed. And that's what I love about actors. They're never, well, the good ones are never, they never hedge. You know, once they say yes, they're a hundred percent. And I, you know, that's like me with my work. So I, that's exciting to collaborate with someone like that.
1: Oh, of course, definitely. And as you just mentioned about, you know, you're going to be in this situation and in this atmosphere and environment of these cold, cold woods. And that that's the second thing that really stood out to me. And as I mentioned earlier, why this movie, I think since the Blair Witch Project, it's the first movie that utilizes woods as and the forest as a central theme and character. What was it like shooting in such an environment? And especially when... You're in the cold, frigid Kentucky woods. Yeah. Everyone has to be on their A game.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was challenging for many reasons. It was challenging from a, a a storytelling and arc perspective, in that I wanted to make sure that the visuals of of the um woods were evolving and that certain types of woods were matched with certain types of mm-hmm. moments. You know, for example, there's one area where there's lots of moss and there's another area where there's ice and there's another area where um, there's rocks uh, and one area where there's like lots of very straight trees and another area where there's craggly trees. Those details became important in telling the story. Practically, it was insanely cold. <laughs> um You know, and I live in Southern California and I I just, I don't know what happens with my brain, but I never really understand what that feels like until I get in it. And this happens every time I go somewhere cold, I think it'll be fine. And then it just hurts. Um, (laughs) but you know, and we were like repelling down locations. So there was no room on this shoot for anyone to be at all, uh, (laughs) fragile. It just, there was no room for it
1: so oh 100 and i yeah. think
0: you know if you communicate that to people clearly about what's going to happen and form their expectations in a way that they can accept it and you know you you march forward confidently they will follow um but you know we had technical problems too like it was so cold the tape wouldn't work i mean you know the gaffer's tape wouldn't work and the batteries would die and and, and it wasn't just cold. We had all sorts of weather issues. We had a hurricane. We even had a tornado one day where we had to go down wow. to a basement, you know, and, and you don't have extra time, but we had to stop filming and, put, you know, run everybody down to the basement. So it was pretty bananas. But luckily, uh, we managed to keep continuity through all of that, which is, is kind of a small
1: miracle. And I definitely agree with all of that, especially someone who lives in Canada. I can tell that you guys were generally cold, especially the actors and seeing some of the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. I know that look on some of the faces. And I know that's yeah. As however great of an actor or actresses they are. That's genuine, like just cold.
0: Yeah. And those details are so important. And definitely you, you, those things cannot be faked. I, I don't care how great an actor is. Little things like that can't be faked and you connected to it. You saw it and you said that's real and that's important. And I I remember now, because of what you just said, when we were in ADR, the actors were really struggling to get their voices back to what it was when they were so cold. Um, So it's, it's, it's small details like that that become very important, especially in a sparse film like this. It's not a really busy film. So everything really matters.
1: So how long was the shoot from start to finish? And what was the one biggest difficulty besides the elements that you thought that, you know, you guys encountered and were able to power through?
0: Um, So we shot for 22 days over, over five weeks, I think it was. We had a break. We shot between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Then we took a month off and we went back for two days of pickups or something like that I can't remember exactly but it ended up totaling 22 days okay um i mean that that was the thing Uh, schedule which is connected to budget um you know it was this film was made for under a million dollars so that that's the challenge <laughs> yeah,
1: well, transitioning into netflix and the world of streaming as i mentioned earlier it debuted in the number 3 spot and stayed in the top 10 in the first week and even after that It is such a massive accomplishment, especially for an independent film. It's insane. What was your reaction seeing that? Uh,
0: You know, I mean, honestly, kind of shock because especially during this time, like, I don't, what does that mean? Like, I don't, does it, you know, like it doesn't have any consequence really, does it? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting some cooler meetings because of it. The thing that makes me really happy is I make movies for audiences, And that told me that audiences were, number one, seeing it, Mm -hmm. and number two, enjoying it. That's kind of all I
1: want. Of course. And especially, like, we're talking about Netflix here. It's the largest streaming platform in a year where so many of us are forced to, you know, be indoors. And whether it's... Bonding with the family or watching more TV or more films. Number three is a huge accomplishment. Why do you think that streaming is such a game changer for independent movies as well as independent filmmakers?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is. Look, this film is a perfect example. If we did not have streaming, nobody would have ever heard of it. You know, it would have been something cool on my resume that producers would enjoy, but would be unsure as to why it didn't do well you know that that's just the facts of the matter with streaming it opens up a whole new world and you know it's because it's an entirely different financial model they have you know they have to feed lots of small little beasts rather than one ginormous world mm-hmm. you know they're not trying to make one piece of content for four quadrants in all nations they're making lots of different pieces of content for lots of different um, demographics and you know, that's good and bad. I I think it's good because what it does is it allows lots of different unique voices that would not be able to emerge because they didn't hit that four quadrant, you know, windfall, but the downside, and I think we're seeing that in our culture and hopefully we can mitigate this going forward because it's not going away is this siloed worldview and perspective, that you can watch only the things that you already confirm your worldview. That's that's dangerous.
1: Yeah. And I, and I definitely agree with that. And especially how we're talking about streaming and how we, we have so much options and we can literally go yeah. on your phone and watch, pull up Netflix, go on Amazon Prime. Options are all around us now. And with a company like Warner Brothers or even Disney moving more towards streaming. Do you personally feel that streaming is the future of film or do you think that there's always going to be the theatrical movies that are going to be part of a healthy ecosystem, especially for this medium?
0: I think it depends on what you define film as. I think streaming is the future of storytelling, certainly, Um, at least for our, you know, brief foreseeable future who knows? You know what brain chip thing is going to come up in ten years or whatever. But as for the technology that I'm personally aware of right now, I think yeah, that is the dominant force. Um, you know, for for film, cinema, and the, the the handful of of small filmmakers who get to work at a, a level where all of their material is theatrical, it's not ideal, but that's not where most people's work goes or is seen. And um, like I said earlier, I care about people seeing my work.
1: Right. So what would you say as a filmmaker yourself, is there a difference between knowing you're going to be making a movie for a theatrical release versus something that's going to go straight to streaming? Do you go in with the same mindset of just, you know, I'm going to go in just do my best as I always do or are there little technical things here and there that you have to take into effect and to consideration that this movie may be watched by more people on a streaming service rather than a theatrical run.
0: Yeah, I mean there's certainly going to be small technical things like what resolution you shoot in and how you deliver um and you know maybe when it comes to VFX that but you know that for me technicals aren't really storytelling their, um, their tools. Um, as for the the storytelling of it, I mean, I, I don't think it does make a big difference. I, I will say that, you know, with sound, it drives me bananas that mixes are so different from, from, you know, um, I guess TV to phone to whatever, you know, like that right, that, right, that lack definitely, of control yeah. there is is very upsetting because you really do um you know, all of those sounds in a film are deliberate to, you know, the decibel level. Um, so that's frustrating. But you know what? It's the same in theaters, you know. I, I've been in theaters where the sound is much shittier than my system at oh, home. Definitely. So, you know, I I have a lot of compassion for the theater owners but you can't stop the future yeah.
1: it's one of those things it's just inevitable and we all kind of have to sooner or later you're gonna gonna have to get on the train or you're just gonna either miss it or you're just gonna be so far behind where it's gonna be difficult and and as you mentioned it's, it's a very tough environment and COVID has really changed the future of filmmaking yeah. what do you think is going to be the biggest hurdle especially for productions filmmakers cast and crew going forward in a new normal
0: well i think it depends on like look once the vaccine comes in my biggest question is how long does immunity last for is this a vaccine we're gonna have to get every six months every year every 10 years there's there's
1: so many unknowns about it
0: yeah i mean that to me is what's gonna most affect um filmmaking because shooting during covid is incredibly slow and expensive and that means you know lots of independent filmmakers cannot do it in a safe way um so i i think that's going to be the big determining factor is how long does immunity from the uh, with the vaccine last
1: yeah and definitely we can all just hope for the best and just hope for some sort of a normal. But again, the theme of a lot of our conversation today is about adapting and about being forced to change. You have to, it's it's one of those things where we don't really have a choice.
0: Not only that, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of this conversation about being DIY. Yeah. Is don't just adapt, embrace, you know, figure out, okay, what is the opportunity in this challenge? There is always one. And, um, you know, I think that's how you survive as a human, as a filmmaker, just adapt or die. Like that is the function of who we are.
1: We should embrace it. You need to have that growth mindset rather than having that negative. Oh, no, now this has happened. Now I can't do this anymore because of COVID, this or that. It's about, again, just charging for it, going for it and just showing the world your colors because it's just so much more than just black and white.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
1: So what would you say in the last year or so is the one favorite new TV show or movie or anything you may have discovered during your time oh in my just God. or a couple I'll give you a couple how about that <laughs> that you've discovered that you've fallen in love with
0: the last year hmm. well my perception of time as i think everyone is finding with themselves is really messed up right now. I have no idea actually what happened in a year's time, but Rick, I. because
1: December, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I can tell you some things that I've loved recently, film-wise. I mean, I loved Wonder Woman. I thought that was a great, entertaining, big, fun movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then I loved the smaller films like Itania, and oh, it's great. You know, something in the middle like The Favorite. Um, so I think there's a lot of great, interesting stuff out there. My, my tastes are very vast. Um, I watch a lot of documentary too, because I don't have anything to do with it. So it's, it's really enjoyable.
1: It's <laughs> great. Have you in the last year, and, and again, this is, a, I hear different answers from different people and it, a lot of it depends mm. on just where you're located. Have you gone to a movie theater and are you comfortable going to a movie theater?
0: Oh, Absolutely not. I'm I'm not going anywhere near any indoor location until I have been vaccinated. Um, the only exception I will put there is, you know, if I have a shoot because right. I do feel that the shoots that I'm on now, luckily, are are uh, have great protocols and I feel as safe there as anywhere. But I'm, I don't even go to the grocery store.
1: Yeah. Hey, each to their own, whatever makes you feel comfortable. I'm, I'm really hoping we're getting over the hump of this whole COVID thing. But again, there's so many unknowns uh-huh. and so many questions about vaccines and how they're going to impact, again, certain jobs, certain fields, especially in filmmaking. So I guess we'll just have to uh-huh. wait and see what really happens with that. As we wrap up here with Jen McGowan, it is now time for the final act. Miss McGowan. 60 seconds, Oh God. 15 rapid-fire questions about your likes, your dislikes. For being such an amazing guest, we're going to get rid of the 60 seconds just for you, and we'll okay. just go rapid-fire, <laughs> and we'll make it nice and easy.
0: Okay, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> the final act. 60 seconds, 15 questions. Can you beat the clock? Movies or TV shows? Movies. Theater or watch at home?
0: Watch at home.
1: What's one sequel better than the original?
0: Oh jeez, <laughs> I mean, Godfather.
1: All right, that's a fair one. Best trilogy of all time?
0: <sighs> oh God, that's really challenging. Of all time, I can't, know. I plead the fifth. I can't answer that, that's impossible.
1: <laughs> all right, we'll give you the one, we'll give you the one, plead the fifth. All right. Should their reboot back to the future
0: sure why not look people will get upset about it but you know what the cool thing about movies is it's constantly evolving and a lot of kids have not seen and will not see the original original's amazing
1: yeah for sure but why not why not you'll still have the original
0: you will still have the original it doesn't doesn't make it go away
1: you got it favorite horror movie.
0: I mean, the most terrifying horror movie to me was The Exorcist. All right.
1: Summer or fall?
0: Hmm. I would have said summer when I was younger, but now I think fall.
1: (laughs) Shooting on film or digital?
0: You know, it depends on the content. I don't care what the tool is. All right.
1: Filming in extreme heat or extreme cold?
0: I'm going to go with cold.
1: Ah, interesting. Especially after uh, Rust Creek there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite animated movie?
0: Oh, I really like The Iron Giant.
1: Oh, that's a great one. That's very underrated. I feel like today's generation don't appreciate that movie as much as they should. Mm -mm, I love it. Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad. The Exorcist or The Shining? The Exorcist. Does pineapple belong on pizza? We not. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, describe Rust Creek in one word. Thrilling. Thrilling. Bam. Jen, where can we find you online?
0: I am on Twitter at McGee, and uh, that's probably the best place.
1: You can now watch Rust Creek, which is streaming on Netflix, Amazon Video, and Apple iTunes. Jen, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today, and thank you for bringing so many strong and memorable characters to the big screen. I truly look forward to seeing what's in the future for Jen McGowan.
0: Thank you for having me. It was really fun.
1: Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe for new
0: episodes streaming weekly. Follow the show at Popcorn and Soda Podcast on Instagram to keep up with movie news and behind the scenes exclusives. We'll see you next time at the movie. Ahem. On the show.